listening to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard alongside John Tesh. Our guest this week is Dr. Wayne Applewhite. He is the author of the new book, You Know It's a Verb, Right? And it, in this case, actually refers to leadership. We're going to talk about the latest research on productivity, but most importantly, we're going to talk about how both leaders and employees can navigate a changing work environment. That can be uh, that's a very complex issue, and he is doing a lot of research on the topic, uh, in, including the latest research about four-day work weeks and how you can actually get more productivity out of a four-day work week. So uh, don't miss that. And what to ask for if you want to ask for four-day work week, how to talk to your boss about it, and how and how employers can communicate best with their employees. You know, with all these people working remotely and that kind of thing. But first, you know, uh, John is here with us. Before we even get to that, though, we of course have to hear from our sponsors, including. Rocket Mortgage. This episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, is brought is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. All right. Thank you so much to Rocket Mortgage and everybody else. John, let's do some intelligence for everybody. And you haven't been on in the show in a while, so we appreciate you making the time. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, with me today. First, uh, yeah, but first thing I have to say is you're not going to believe this, but I actually just started this time boxing. I don't. I like it popped up in my feed or something like that, and uh, so we. I mean, we can talk about it in a minute. But uh, it. If, and I'm. I'm sort of a boss, but also more of an employee, right? And it's. It, it's. It, it's it, a it, weird it, dynamic. You're the boss, but you have an executive producer who right. works for your company, but is also right. like the one that right. is responsible right. for making right. sure the show. Right. Like, it's a very weird dynamic. Unique but dynamic. I have, I, I, yeah, but I. I'll tell you how I use it. But it, it really works. Yeah, so so time boxing. What he's talking about that is uh, instead of using a to do list, you actually fill out your daily schedule in a way that shows exactly what time you plan to begin tasks and when you actually expect to finish them, and then you only focus on your tasks within their set time box. Here's why it actually makes you more productive than any other method. First off, time boxing forces you to be accountable because if you don't finish your task by your set deadline, you're forced to ask yourself. Why? Were you distracted? Did you not allot enough time? Finally, time boxing gives you a sense of control because each time you fill out your schedule, it boosts your sense of autonomy and research shows workers who feel in control of their work tend to be the most productive. In fact, researchers found worker productivity doubled after they switched from traditional to-do list style workflows to a time boxed schedule. So uh, it's it's a very nuanced thing. Right, and obviously, I you know I cheated. I knew that you were going to start talking about this, so I just started. So let me try it before I did, so I can get some experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I I use. I mean, you can use. I use uh, uh, Apple uh, Calendar. Yeah, I also have a Google Calendar, and so I just you know at the end of the day. Uh, what I do is I, I set up my, my next day and I put them in there. And one of the things I realized is that sometimes, because something, well, I work from home, right? Right. As, as do you. And sometimes things will come up. It's like, the, you know, somebody comes over and I go, oh, I guess. So it, you, you don't freak out. You just take it and you shift everything down like right. 10 minutes or right. something, something right. like that. Right. But, but I, and I put alerts in there too. So every one of these tasks, whether it's write X number amount of things for the radio show or it's, you know, it's go exercise, it's really helped me stay on task for exercising this time boxing. So it's a great idea yeah it is and again you know it'll it'll force you to think about what you can actually get done in a day so you don't say yes to too many things because you you will be very sensitive to the amount of time that everything takes for you to do and the more and again you can use digital you can use a paper planner but to his point also if you use the digital 
somebody interruption happens, you move everything down. You're also going to be more aware of what you're doing to the end of your day when you deal with interruption. Because I don't know about you, when I get an interruption, sometimes I let it just go for longer than it needs to because I don't think about in terms of what that's going, what the effect that that's going to have on my end of day. So this is a great way of increasing your productivity. Yeah, yeah, and what and what happens, Gib, is for me anyway, is that if I make a to do list. Then if if I miss two of those things, mm-hmm. I just feel like a a, a total failure. But right. if I only have I I, I, did, I I try to pick like three things, right? right? And then I time box those. But the other thing time boxing does for me, and I don't even know if this is one of the one of the tips, but I do it the day before. I put yes. it into my calendar the day before, so that way I don't wake up going. Oh gosh, what am I going to do to that? I don't let my day happen to me. It's already boxed up for me. Uh, so uh, Hyatt, Michael Hyatt, we've had him on the show, and that's one of his big. He, you know, he makes the planner that I use, uh, full focus planner. One of their big, one of their big mantras over there is that you got to do, you have to lay out tomorrow today. So you you lay out what your day is going to look like the next day. It gives you all the senses of autonomy that we've been talking about, the sense of control over your day, uh, the sense of anticipation. You're going to be a lot less stressed if you do it the night before. So it's a great way of of sort of easing into the workday and easing out of the workday is to write tomorrow's schedule out uh, the night before. So um, it is great. Speaking of workplace, you need to stop using the word sure. It's like when a boss, boss asks you to, t- to take on a new project or... Friends ask if you'll help them move. Career expert Kate Bugard says, sure is a half-hearted, non-committal way of saying yes. And when you say sure, what most people hear is, I'm not thrilled about it, but I guess I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Put it, this is, I like this. This is a great way to think about it. Put it this way. If you ask someone to marry you, and uh, would you rather hear them say yes or sure? Exactly. <laughs> it's why they recommend cutting the word sure from your vocabulary. Uh, you want to you start giving definitive answers like yes or no. Um, and if you if you if you're in a situation where the answer is no, uh, like at work, you you should uh, be honest about it. And instead of saying sure, just say no. I actually have too much on my plate right now. I don't think I can get that done in the time frame you need it. As opposed to just saying sure. Yeah, and and here's the problem. You for hate me. this. I, well, I do. I really hate the word sure. And there are still people in my life, and I, I that I've known for years, and they do it, and I don't I don't feel like I can say, hey, listen, here's the data on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do that to your friends. <laughs> But but well, it's worse, you know. I I think you and I have talked about this before too. You you tend to read texts or or emails in the oh. voice in the voice of the way you're feeling at the moment. Yes, right. Yes, and so uh, I you know if, if 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 my wife sends me she doesn't do it often, but if she sends me uh, the word sure, I read it as sure. Yeah, know? yeah. You uh, yeah. So it's yeah. I, I think I just don't think we should ever use the use the, the word anymore. You're, you're yeah, always going to read. Got it and done are fine for me. Yeah, yeah. I I don't mind sure thing. Like uh, you know, like I can absolutely do that. Uh, I use sure thing. Maybe it's because I use it that I think it's okay. But uh, but just sure and and, and K. Uh, I do like to mess with people by using K. But you really shouldn't do it in a professional setting. So these are kinds of like some quick tips for uh for how you can improve your email communication, your textual communication. Uh, the, and again, I like your tip. Um, always imagine that somebody's reading it in the worst voice possible. <laughs> there you go. That's it. And then rewrite it so that it can't be taken the wrong way. Okay. That's it for our quick pieces of intelligence to get us off the floor today. Here we go with my interview with Dr. Wayne Applewhite. Dr. Wayne Applewhite, leadership expert, most importantly, author of the book, You Know It's a Verb, Right? And it obviously refers to leadership. Thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Gib, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate the invite. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to dive into some of this stuff because, 
Look, uh, work in this country, uh, in, in, in most of the Western world, is really changing right now. Obviously, people who are you know, knowledge workers uh, are predominantly working from home right now. Um, and so the, just the way that work looks, even the way that real estate is, is done, is, is changing because of how work is changing right now. So before we started, you and I were talking about this transition that a lot of people are making to a, a lot of organizations are making to a four-day work week where uh, instead of working five days a week, that they actually work uh, four days a week. And we're talking about the, the pros and cons. But uh, you, the most importantly, you have a new study out of Iceland that says that actually fewer working, uh, fewer working hours with the same pay actually lead to better well, well-being, uh, no loss in productivity, in some cases increased production. So you're talking about working 32 hours a week, but having the, a more production than a 40-hour week. Uh, how is all, any of that possible? And uh, and 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 what are what are leaders supposed to do right now in order to navigate this this world with, you know, different workforces? <laughs> Great question. And let's let's dissect that a little bit. Let's talk about that four day, ten hour day work week, which is forty hours. Right. Um, which is not what the study suggested. The study suggested a thirty two hour work week. But let's look at the four day, ten hour work week. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the experts are suggesting that that is a breeding house for lower productivity towards the end of the day. Yeah. Because after about six to six or seven hours, um, your productivity really goes down. And yeah. so the last two hours of that um, four of that ten hour workday, um, you you might be just spinning your wheels or lethargic or mm-hmm. not as as on it and ready to go as you would be if you had a well rested evening the night before, got up and did what you were going to do. So the Four-day, 10-hour day um, could bring down a little bit of the productivity. Another bad side on that is if you're working your workers four days, your competition still may be doing the fifth day. Right, and, right. <laughs> hey, that, that's not good. Right. That's sales <laughs> calls that aren't getting made. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's orders that are not being processed. If, you know, it, it's all kinds of things that are not getting done. That's exactly right. And if you're looking at the Iceland study of four days of eight hours, which mm-hmm. is a 32 work week, okay, now you're looking at the downside of if you had a 40 hour project, mm-hmm. it's going to take two weeks instead of just one. It's going to take it's going to take a lo- little bit longer than four days exactly than just one um, one full five five day work week to get that done. So again, stress level can come in and people are stressing out. And is that healthy? I don't know. I, I'm not a pro or con of either of these. I'm just advocating that change is the benefactor. And we need to really kind of look at it smartly, intelligently, and, and do that. And I think that's just pro, what your program is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's intelligence for your life for a reason. So so uh, let's back up just a little bit here. And so, so the Iceland study shows that the productivity is, about, is can be better even in 32 hours than a 40-hour work week. I think we're we're looking at a time now where people are leaning into work life balance in a different way than they have previously. So they they want that time off, uh, and knowledge workers in particular are sort of demanding it. So that you know leaders are are really not going to have a lot of choice with how they allow for people to to uh, to balance these things. They're going to have to to give somewhere. So I think helping them make the smartest choice is is really important. Now for me. 
I work, you know, I work whenever I can. I with with the with being work with starting to work from home in this process. You know, I work during the day, but I'm also dealing with my kids during the day, so I'm going back and forth between the two things. And then I do this horrible thing, which I know is is bad by every standard, where I stay up late at night making up the work that I missed. How do people with, you know, this sort of extra stress when when you cut down the work week? How do people manage that in terms of not trying to sneak in and do the work other times. <laughs> you throw in a you throw in a lot of things into this complex question. So again, let's take it one bite at a time. Okay. Looking at working at home, and you talk about the managers, leaders, business um, owners need to work it such that the employees are getting the benefit and the organization is getting the benefit right. of their productivity. Okay. So that's a relationship that should become anew with the employee and employers because as you, like you, many people now because of COVID are working at home. Right. Not in the office. Right. So they don't have that hour and a half commute one way anymore um, and an hour and a half commute at the end of the day right. where they're stressing out because of right. traffic or what uh, or weather or what have you. And so that time is now much better spent at home because you're only 30 seconds away from the office if you are able to walk down the, the, the hallway to the computer and sign in and boom, you're at work. Right. Um, so, so that's different. And that's a relationship that the experts have suggested, I think a habit forming, a habit forms and the, the numbers have changed, but it used to be 17 days, 21 days, 28 days. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been doing this for a year and a half. Right. So now everyone is into a different habit, yep. if you will. Um, and that's going to be hard to take away from the employers from taking away from them because the employers are no longer necessarily um, in control because they don't, they don't have the ability to look over your shoulder every 15 seconds. Sure. You know, just sure. walk down the hall. Say, "Hey, what are you what are you doing, Wayne? What are you doing, Gib?" Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do it my way because, again, you're at home. And as you said, you take some time out for your kids, and that's mm-hmm. great. That's a work life balance here. Okay, you're at home. You've got to change things. Yep. All right, we're going to do a little work. We'll do a little play with the kids, feed them. Everyone else is doing the same thing. They may not have kids, but they might take a break, sure. a much longer break than they would if they were at work, they wouldn't take an hour and a half lunch, but now they could take an hour and a half lunch. And you said, and a lot of us make the, the I forget the term you use, but we sneak out and do the, ooh, I got to play catch up now. Yeah. I mean, I end up, I end up staying up very, I end up having like these, these periods of, of catch up time at night. And I'm not always that efficient because I'm tired. And, and so it's, it actually ends up being longer. I actually spend more time working than I would if I could just do focused work for eight straight hours. But um, and I was just about to say that yeah. we are now working longer because we are at home. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that. But if they really looked at their hours, they oh, I'm working longer because, again, you're answering emails in the middle of the night. Um, as you said, you're up and awake and ready. And basically, people are different. Your energy that you get is different. Some people are morning people. Right. Some people are afternoon people. And some people are evening people. Um I happen to be one of those unique personalities where I enjoy all of those. I'm up, <laughs> I'm up in the morning. I'm ready for the afternoon. I'm ready at late at night. I used to work shift work, and my 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 number two of myself. I was number one. My number two of myself. We would we would go to work because we used to work four day 
we work four swings in four mids, four days, and then have three days off. And everyone on our shift, how do you guys do this? You guys come bouncing in here in the morning, in the mm. swings, in the mids. It doesn't matter. You're always bubbly. Well, yes, I am. So, <laughs> But again, that's a habit-forming kind of a thing. Right. And as we have formed these habits, going back to the office is going to be, uh, there's a negotiation waiting to happen. Yeah, I mean, I have no desire to to stop working from home. I don't want to give up a lot of the things that I've gotten from from working from home. So, to your point, I I, I don't I, I am very happy to not be commuting like I was. Uh, that's time back that I get to be able to cook dinner, do all these different things. But to your point, I lose that delineation between my work time and my home time, and I end up doing the thing that you're talking about, which is which is which is working poorly in the evenings. Um, as as leaders, people who you know, people who have the ability to to make these kinds of deals, uh, what are they giving up by letting workers work from home? Like what, what, I, you said, oversight. But if the work is getting done, if the final products are coming in, is there a reason to go back to the office? You know, I I, I see this as a good thing. Yeah. Because because now it gives leaders. It gives managers and managers and leadership and management are two entirely different things. But it gives leaders, it gives managers, it gives business owners the time now to really be a business owner, Mm -hmm. to really be and do leadership, to really be a manager. And they can work on those things that they need to do to kick the rocks. Jennifer Milius and I write about this in our book a lot. Um, We want leadership, we want management, we want the business owners to kick the rocks out of the way Mm -hmm. so that the workers can get the work done. And the rocks, I mean, if we don't have internet connectivity, okay, leaders, go figure out how to do that. I don't need to waste my time doing that because I'm your worker bee. You guys go out there and find the best price, the best affordable, whomever's going to come in and do this, give us the biggest Wi-Fi, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, Fios, just bring it to me um, and, and you guys make that happen and I will diligently continue to work. Now these guys and ladies get a chance to really say, ah, we have time to step back and think about really where are we going to be in the next five years? How do we get there? What do we need to get us there? Mm-hmm. And they can be doing the pie in the sky kinds of things while the worker bees are out doing what is the daily task, the, the if you will, the bread and butter of the business and move on. And this is a, a huge paradigm shift because prior to this, the the flip side was to have high end, I mean, the, the most profitable companies, you know, these these huge uh big tech firms you know where the where the margins are just ridiculous they were operating uh on on the flip side they were trying to make their campuses as inviting as possible with as many amenities as possible and making it like feel like an extension of the college experience basically you come the why the internet is always perfect there's recreational activities as far as you see that you never wanted to leave and now we're seeing that 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 particular worker base is 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 flipping that on its head. Uh, are, are companies going to be able to keep up with this kind of this kind of change? Because is is it ever going to flip back to to that campus lifestyle? The great thing that COVID has done for us is has told us that nothing is constant, and we should always be. Pre- <laughs> Again, Jennifer Millis and I speak to this. We should always be preparing our companies and our workers and ourselves for change because you never know when it's going to happen or mm-hmm. how it's going to happen. You do the daily plug, you do the daily blog, you do the daily grind, and you get small or larger successes. 
Um, but over time, those small and larger successes become huge gains um, and dividends down at the end. Right now, to answer your question, um, companies have thrown a lot of money into the infrastructure of their buildings, mm-hmm. of their campuses, of their mm-hmm. complexes. You're exactly right. We hear about the the um, the crying rooms. We hear about the you know go off and blow steam rooms and, yeah. and all these kinds of money. Nap they don't, pods. They don't, Exactly. Yeah. They don't have to spend that money anymore because people are not in the office. Right. <laughs> right. So they can save money on utilities. They can save money on those creature features, um, c- creature comfort features. They can save money on other things. And again, they can go back to the boardroom and say, do we really need those addendums to yeah. our company? And the answer could be yes. It could be maybe. It could be no. They need to realize or figure out what does their company look like in the future, a month from now, two weeks from now, post-COVID, five years from now, um, are we going to get people back in the office? Are they going to come to the office one day a week and still telework from home four days a week? I, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but this is a great time for HR to become creative mm-hmm. and jump in and do HR, human resources kinds of things, um, because they had these classes in college. It Build a better mousetrap. This is mm-hmm. a great time to do that. And guess what? There are no models that are saying, oh, this is the way it has to be done. No, everyone is trying different things. Um, and you've got to figure out what's good for your industry, particular industry, how you how you maintain that growth, how you sustain it, and how you keep the employees engaged and working. You know, uh, for a long time, particularly you know in this campus lifestyle that we we're just talking about, small businesses were at a tremendous disadvantage, Right in their ability to attract talent of a certain ilk and you know it, because they just didn't have it they, all they had was an office they didn't right. have a ping pong room and a cry room and a meditation pod and all that stuff uh, is this going to be you think good for small businesses this 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 redirection towards working from home because they'll be able to at least get some time from top tier talent now you know what i think there's a there's a lot of chance that collaboration could come into play if small businesses within a community Feel that they need this. I'm not sure if you or your. I'm not sure if you or other people, your listeners, um, homeschool. Mm-hmm. But I was introduced to homeschooling. Oh, 2000, I think it was, mm-hmm. was my first real look at homeschooling because we were, uh, my wife and I were assigned someplace and our friends were homeschooling. And I go, wow, what is this? What is this homeschooling thing? Mm-hmm. And they told me what it was. And then as we learned, there were modules and collectives mm-hmm. that got together and they could go to one particular area, one in the city or you know, one person's house or one building where they could get um, this kind of a structure or curriculum. And then they go back to their, to their respective homes and continue on. Small businesses, if they wanted to be co- collaborative with other small businesses and say, hey, this is a good thing, but I can't, I can't pay that expense. Right. Maybe they could partner with three or four different small businesses and set, and set something up like that. That's actually really, really smart. So you take, you go with a small business and you share, you know, some high end guy's talent or some, Absolutely. some individual who's an amazing X, Y, or Z, and you can, you can use them for as you need them because again, you're decentralizing the workforce. So in that sense, this this will be this could be good not just for the knowledge workers, but also for the um, for the people that run small businesses. That's 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 actually a genius idea. Thank you. But yeah, that's that was the that was the thought. <laughs> uh, uh, you're very welcome. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about how employees 
can uh, can redesign their lives in this new paradigm and and make themselves as appealable as possible as appealing, excuse me, as possible for the new workforce. All right, we're back with Dr. Wayne Applewhite. Uh, we, before we were talking about like all the ways that, that businesses themselves have to adapt, but what can what can employees do now in order to get what they want and in order to negotiate? for you know the, these new lifestyle paradigms to your point that earlier that they become addicted to i mean addicted is the wrong word they be, we become accustomed and inhabited with this work from home stuff with some uh, certain amenities uh how do we advocate the best for ourselves going into maybe you have an employer who's insisting that people come back well again that goes back to the relationship that you need to have with that employer and the rules of engagement um i like to use the roes that term um, it works for me. I spent 22 years in military, yep. and I spent I spent some time in corporate world, academia, um, profit, nonprofit. So I've always used ROEs no matter where I was. And the ROEs that the employee now has, which is in their hip pocket when they go into the negotiation with that employer, um, because things have changed, now they need to have a frank discussion with that employer and say, hey, look. If you want me in the office, okay, I'm willing to come in one day, two days, whatever that is, mm-hmm. out of the week, and the other days I will telemark or telework. Um, but what they can set them, what they can set up with their bosses, and they can say, "Hey, look," and you can call me anytime you want to. However, on you know once a week, if I'm working at home, once a week I will make a phone call to you, and we will have let's say Tuesdays at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we will have catch up. And I will tell you where I am, what I've done, what where I'm behind, where I'm ahead. Um, if I need any help, I will give you in this negotiation time period or this um, relationship we're having, I'll tell you the best way to contact me, whether it's by telephone, email, um, Zoom, Skype, uh, whatever you, Blue, Bluehost, whomever <laughs> mechanism that you want, right. whatever you want. But this is how you contact me, and this is when I will be most active to respond to you. Um, and a lot of people miss that, and that's part of communication. If, okay, Gabe, yeah, I have to ask you a question. Uh oh. Do you have individuals who say, but I emailed you, you know, yesterday? How come you haven't answered me yet? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, Okay. great. If the boss hears from you that email is not what you look at all the time, the best way to contact me is through Zoom or Skype, then that's the best way to contact them. And we need to start listening to each other and say, oh, okay. Now, that probably means that there's going to be a little bit more work for the boss because mm-hmm. if the boss has to use several tools to contact all of her or his employees, then that's what they have to do. You just can't send out a barrage email and expect people to follow suit and contact you back in the next 10 minutes because that's not going to work. If I tell you I'm going to give you an informational impact statement every Wednesday at 10 o'clock through a phone call, that's when you're going to get your answer. If you need something sooner than that, contact me the way I said I wanted to be contacted and it will happen. But those are discussions that every employee needs to have with their employer. And the employer has to have that same discussion with the employees. Mm-hmm. The best way to contact them. Mm-hmm. Because the best way to contact them may not be the best way that you want them to contact you. So that could be different. So change is all around us. 
Yeah. We just have to adapt to it and figure out what works and go on with the business at hand. Other things they could do, um, just let, make sure that everyone knows exactly what is expected from each other. Here's what the boss is expecting from me, and here's what I'm expecting from the boss. Yeah. Whether whether it's teleworking, whether it's in the office, or what have you, a lot of times that those lines get blurred, and sometimes we forget. Um, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm answerable to this person for these kinds of things, not X, Y, Z. I'm supposed to be doing A, B, C. So don't come at me when we are A, B, C is not done. Sure. No, no, no. I'm working on X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and the boss is doing the same thing. If you ask the boss a question, and sometimes we think that the boss is holding the organization hostage because we haven't gotten the answer back. Mm-hmm. Well, that answer may not be as simplistic as we think it is. Sure. It may impact several organizations, people outside the organizations, consultants, what have you. Um, and that information is not as quickly coming back to you as it was you sending it out. So there's, there's a lot of communication that has to take place. And communication is the word that I'm going to use forever because that's how we talk to each other. Okay, Gib, another question for you. Uh-oh. When you do drive. Yes. And you're driving down the street. Yes. Do you like people just cutting you off or would you much prefer that they signal and say, hey, I want to come into the left lane and that's where you are. I'm turning my left <laughs> blinker on. Can I come in? I, which I, which I, would you rather have? Obviously signal. Obviously signal. <laughs> okay. The boss has to signal. The employee has to signal. We've yeah. got to communicate. Yeah. Simple as that. I, what I'm hearing you say is that we need, you know, what we need is these, if we're going to lose the accountability of in-person communication, we need to set up new paradigms of accountability, right? Of, of what is expected versus what the, uh, uh, versus what the actual output is. And, and uh, it's up to employer and employee to have that conversation and, you know, turn their signals on, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good point. And I think like as, 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 as we all get ready for things to reopen or stay a certain way, we need to be able to clearly communicate our our needs, our desires, and uh, and and some sort of sense of accountability with what the what the company is trying to do. Because what you're describing also is going to be a lot of work for management. I mean, and uh, for management teams that oftentimes are, are stretched so thin, they don't really have the time to go. Okay, Bill likes to be talked to on Skype. Uh, Amy really likes Slack. You know, Jim likes email. And then they have to remember what everybody's everybody's preferred mode of contact is, and and switch between the three. That's that seems to me a uh, a disaster waiting to happen. You know. Well, you don't have to remember it. You can write it down because yeah. because in realistically, um, managers and leaders don't necessarily have every person reporting to them. Sure. They they have their direct reports, which could be four people. Sure. Who who are then um, the down down the, the pipeline, um, they're getting information from the other guys. So it's the four individuals really that we're talking about that the leader has to really engage and writing that on a little schedule, put that you can put that in your little spreadsheet, put it mm-hmm. up on the table, contact Wayne on this day, contact, you know, get, Gib on this day, contact John on this day, contact so and so on this day, mm-hmm. via these means. That's not hard. That's pretty easy. Sure. And oh and oh by the way, if we're doing our jobs, it should be that easy. Yeah. And if and here's here's one thing: Are you familiar with um, agile project management? No. 
Agile project management is a break off from the traditional project management, but Agile has a really cool mechanism and it's called the, the, the morning scrum. And did you play rugby? I didn't, but I'm familiar with the term. Okay, so scrum. So a scrum in a business world is in an agile project management world is nothing more than a 10 minute meeting. And I stress 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes period yeah. Yeah. where they meet with their direct reports or the, te- or the direct reports meet with their team and they could do this any way they want to, but they meet with their team for 10 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. You talk about your backlog, you talk about what's working, you talk about what's going forward, you talk about what successes you're having, and you're talking about what problems you may or may not have, and you bring up solutions for that. And that's every day at 10 minutes. That way, every person on that team knows where their shoe is pinching someone else that they're either collaborating with, working with, or <laughs> in some some ways, because I think, is funny. I find it funny. In some organizations, we seem to work against each other. But if the team knows exactly what's happening and what's coming down and which part of that's going to impact me, mm-hmm. you have a much better solution um, going forward. So I think a Monday morning, let's, let's call that an everyday scrum, mm-hmm. is going to be in paramount doing a teleworking kind of a atmosphere yeah i mean and we have the tools for it now right i mean like we certainly point, do oh, we, we have these abilities to to have more or less in-person meetings on a on a regular basis of, while being remote you know we do and, and i stress the 10 or 15 minutes period and that's it you cut it off it's done mm-hmm. you don't go for an hour because you're wasting people's time right right i mean i think and i think people have a tendency to not hit that 10 minute mark so you really we have to train as leaders we have to train ourselves to be in that mode uh, exactly. as well. Uh, shifting gears here for a little bit, we, we've talked a lot about how you know companies need to adapt. Employees uh, can ask a little for a little bit more than they were able to before. Uh, the the productivity that comes with with work life balance. But I, I want to talk a little bit about what do leaders or small business owners who run businesses that require people to be in person? How do they compete for talent when so many jobs don't require you to be in person now? I mean, what what are they supposed to do? The interview process is the most important thing that's out there. Um, you can look at a resume. Resumes could be eight by ten glossies, you know, strapped into somebody's uh, major newspaper. Um, but the interview process is is key. And during that interview process, again, here comes this word communication. You need to communicate really what the job is, the value that we want. Mm-hmm. from the individual in this position, what this individual is supposed to be doing, what they can expect from us as the business or the or the or the boss, so to speak, and find out if the person who's applying for the job is really talented enough to do the job. Um, a lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times we just kind of look at a resume and say, oh, you've done this and this and this and it's good. And okay, you're hired. But if there was no expectations talked about um, the standards that we expect one to bring to the to the table and the work ethic that one brings to the table. If we don't talk about those things, we're going to be sorely disappointed. So the talent search has to go back to the interview process. You've yeah. got to ask the right questions. You've got to look for the right information and you've got to make a good decision um, and you've got to take them all as, as though, you know, they, they're, they're all important. Yeah. I don't care if it's the lowest job in the totem pole or the highest job in the totem pole. They're all important. 
make sure you know who you are hiring. Right. I mean, uh, what? Uh, I mean, I know the interview process is important, but people can fake it for a really long time. So, is, how do you? Is, do you have any tools that people can use in order to work their way around? Uh, well, you can. Deceptive you can hiring practices. It. You can, you can fake it only so much. If if you're if if you're the HR director, and your staff is out looking for or advertising for their job, and the job is software, don't have the HR person interview the software person. Bring a software person from the team mm-hmm. who's going to be working mm-hmm. with this individual to ask questions. Now they've got to run through HR. These are the kinds of questions I want to ask, and HR has to say, "Oh, you could ask this, you can't ask this one because mm-hmm. you know there's there's legal things right, that's going right, on." Right, right, right. But bring in the experts, bring in the people who are doing the job. They're going to know 100% of the time if this person knows what they're talking about or if they're feeling, feeding us a, a bag of stuff. Yeah. All right. So let's say you, let's say you, you are able to find those people and, you, and you're able to begin to retain them. Uh, we talked earlier about you know, shorter work weeks, and I love some of the ideas that I think it's hard for both employee and employer to begin to get into that rhythm. Uh, but let's say you can't, let's say you're in the kind of business that has billable hours that have to be put out into the world, whether that's plumbing or legal advice, whatever that is, what can an employer do to, if they can't do the shorter work weeks or, or maybe if, you know, if all their competition is also doing shorter work weeks, so it's no longer a delineating factor, how can they create these, you know, happier work environments that, and retain that kind of talent for the long, for the long haul? Do you have any ideas for them? Yeah. Ask the employee what they need what they want, what's going to make them happy. You know, you have all of this uh, insane amount of training, all of these PhDs and, and uh, or, or uh, doctor of management, uh, you know, the, the experience working with, with the military. And at the end of the day, 90% of what you're saying is basically something that we all know intuitively, but we are really bad at doing is just communicate more. Express, exactly. your, express your needs on both sides of that, <laughs> of that negotiation. I mean, it's, it's, you're you're exactly. like a marriage counselor. <laughs> exactly. It's not... Gib, it's not hard. Right. It's it's not easy either, but it's not hard. Well, it's 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 not complex. It's a simple Correct. answer. It's just it can be hard. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've given us a lot to chew on, and for both employee and employer, for business leader or for small business owner, like you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of change right now, and navigating it requires a lot of complexity. Uh, the book, you know, it's a verb, right? Link to where you can buy it in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to ask you two last questions, uh, and 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 I ask them to everybody. First of all, uh, Dr. Wayne, how can people follow up with you? Oh, easily. They can go to my website. My website is mindsinking.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-Y-N-C-I-N-G.com. Um, they can catch me at my email from Wayne at mindsinking.com. The book is on Amazon. Um, it was a number one bestseller for, or number one in education leadership, I think it was, during February and some parts of March when it mm. first came out. Um, and the book is, and, and give the book is really for those individuals who are going into leadership the first time, mm-hmm. because I I taught leadership for sixteen years, mm-hmm. and I've used all kinds of books, but there was never a book that said, this is, these are the, if you opened up a bag, a toolbox for leadership, here's the screwdrivers, the chisels, the hammers that you need. Our book is that toolbox. These are the essence, the tools of leadership 
that one needs to have to lead. There's a lot of books out there that talk about all these applications or self-assessments. Um, they're not talking about leadership. They're talking about a tool to use when you're a leader. Our book tells you these are the things you need to do to be a leader. It's also for those individuals who are in leadership positions and are struggling and don't know why. It They can take a look at this. And it's also for the executive suite individuals because mm -hmm. they can buy our book and give it to an up-and-coming star in the organization and say, ooh, read this book because this is what you need to do to be a leader. Again, link to Mind Seeking website and a link to where to, book, uh, where to buy the book Excuse me, are in the show notes. One last question, and I ask it to everybody. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Communicate. Yeah, I mean, that's been your theme today, right? Communicate better. And, and there's, there's a couple, there's, have you ever heard of metacommunication? No. Metacommunication is the jargon communication. So you at, at your studio, um, when you're talking to other individuals like yourself, you, you guys and ladies can say words or things and everybody knows exactly what sure, you mean. Sure. If, if you said that to the, to the real world, we would look at you like, okay, I didn't get that. Right. We need to communicate better. And communicating also includes listening. We got mm -hmm. two ears. Let's listen mm -hmm. with both of them. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my answer. I mean, and again, you know, a uh, simple answer to a complex question over and over and over again. All right. Well, uh, I just, Dr. Wayne Applewhite, I, I just appreciate your time today so much and, and you've given us a lot to chew on. So thank you so much for being a part of this today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It was fun. I've enjoyed the conversation. And oh my goodness, if if you want me to come back and we could talk about other things, we can do that too. <laughs> but this was really fun. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. That's it for our show today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot. I've been reading some of your feedback and I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, special thanks again to Dr. Wayne Applewhite for being a part of the show today. And of course, to John Tesh for joining me once again, not in the studio or remote, but but for joining me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, and if those of you who do what I do sometimes and you're like, oh, I'm going to fast forward to the first part of this podcast because uh, he's probably going to do a bunch of stuff that I don't want to hear. You got to go back and listen to the beginning because you're going to hear about uh, about time boxing and also why you shouldn't be using the word sure. Both, yeah. both, both things will, will provide massive growth in your personal life. Yeah, go and in fact, listen to the whole show again. Re delete it, re-download it, listen to the whole show again. That's how we do it. Do that. <laughs> Amen that. to that. Uh, if you would like to follow up with John, facebook.com slash John Tesh. We spend a lot of time going live there. We do the Prima Workout every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can check us out there. Say hello to us. Uh, of course, you can find John on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every DM, every message of the show. A couple of you guys have given me some feedback lately and I appreciate it because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much. What, 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 are, the, what are the tips? Well, you can't give me one of the tips. Do you remember it? Well, uh, somebody, when somebody said, uh, I, I talk too much and then I interrupted. Really? I, yeah. I got a negative I got a negative thing recently where the guy was like, you know, you, don't, you, you used to have John on the show now it's just you talking and then uh, and uh, you interrupt the, uh, the, the, the speakers too much, the, uh, the, the interviewees. So, so there you go. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're uh, you're, you're codependent, like. Oh, uh, so codependent. Oh, I, I can get ten positive things that people say, and I get one negative thing, and I'm um, that's that's all I think about for the next three exactly. months. Exactly. Oh, we love you, kid. Don't worry about it. <laughs>